Dark Winter Nights True Stories from Alaska is produced with support from the University of Alaska Fairbanks Communication and Journalism Department. UAF Kojo. Tell great stories. In this episode of Dark Winter Nights True Stories from Alaska. The bear had gotten his claws around the door (laughs) and he was trying to pull the door open while the other guy was pushing stuff in. And the guy goes... Whoa, that's a big bear. (laughs) Jan Hanscom suddenly finds herself fighting off a giant fuzzy intruder who's about as scared as she is. And Linda Brandenburg recounts a legendary family story of a prank that went horribly wrong for the prankers. All of a sudden, Holly just lets that shotgun off. (laughs) And Jerry is... And Dave is... Oh, Jerry's dead! Oh my god! Home Alone, a special Christmas movie tribute episode. Up next on Dark Winter Nights True Stories from Alaska, I'm Rob Prince. Up here in Alaska, being home alone has a different kind of significance to it than it has in much of the more urban world. For example, I live in the woods and have a policy that I won't chainsaw when I'm home alone in case I need someone to shovel me into a car and take me to the hospital. And then there was the time I was home alone in the depths of winter and got trapped in my driveway by a moose who stood between me and my warm house. He bluff-charged me, but I've told that story already. The point is, being home alone in Alaska can sometimes mean you have to deal with some formidable intruders all on your own. Jan Hanscom shared her own Macaulay Culkin home alone story with me in the studio back when being four feet apart from someone wasn't terrifying. Here's Jan. So it was uh, July 27th, and I know that was the date because that's my wedding anniversary. And I'd been all day uh, working in my peony field, so I was kind of grubby, dirty, um, sweaty. And I decided that I should go home and make a very nice dinner for my husband, and, and we'd have a nice meal together that evening. So so I went home, and I started off by um, getting some ribs in, into the pot cooking, and, and I, uh, I cleaned up the kitchen and ended up with a bag of trash, which I put on out in my entryway. Now, I have a cat, and so the cat went out at the same time, and I thought, well, I'll leave the outside door open because the cat's bound to come want want to come back in in just a few minutes. So I left the door open, and I thought, well, I'll run upstairs, and I have a spiral staircase that goes up into my loft. So I run up there and check my email while I'm waiting for the cat to return. So I go up there, and, you know, as always, when you get on a computer, you kind of lose track of time, and you're really into reading email, and then you go on Facebook, and you're, it's taking time, and all of a sudden, I notice that I'm hearing a noise, and I, I was like, what is that noise? And then I, I thought, oh, there's a dog getting in my trash. So I ran down the spiral stairs, and I went to the door, and our door that goes out onto the entryway, it's a steel door with no windows in it, so... I didn't know whose dog it might be, so I banged on the door and I said, go home, go home. And then I thought, okay, well, now I have to look. So I opened the door and I I looked up and up. And I thought, as I slammed the door and I'm holding it with both my hands. So then I'm thinking, as I'm holding the door, like that's going to keep the bear out. I'm thinking the only way the bear can come now is into my house because it must have closed the outside door and it's stuck in the entryway. So... 
I turned around, I went back, I grabbed my cell phone off the table and I ran back up the spiral stairs thinking, well, if the bear does break into the house, because, you know, I've just shown him the only way it can go now, which is through that door into my house. <laughs> and um, so I ran up the spiral stairs and I got up there and I called 911. Now, hang on a second. <clears throat> How is this door locked? Uh, this, this door that comes, this steel door that comes into your house, is this is this just is this a door you can lock, or is it does it just have a latch, or how does it? Stay it just closed? has a latch. Just a latch. Just a latch. So between you and this bear, giant bear, <laughs> is just like a little unlocked door handle. Exactly. Okay. All right. Great. <laughs> Which me holding wasn't really going to do a lot. I don't know why I thought that was a good idea, but you don't even have the little push button thing <laughs> that no. you could do to lock the door, like on a bathroom. No. <laughs> okay. So I go up the spiral stairs and I dial 911. And they come on the phone and they say, yes, ma'am, what's your emergency? Police, fire, or ambulance? <laughs> and and I, I was confused. I said, I don't know. I don't know. There's a bear stuck in my entryway. The guy goes, okay, I'll forward you to the state troopers. And I said, okay. <laughs> and so he forwards me, and the guy there comes on the line. And he says, yes, ma'am, what's your emergency? And I said, I don't know. There's a bear stuck in the entryway. He said, oh, I'm sorry. All of our fish and wildlife officers are on a search and rescue right now. I said, so what am I supposed to do about the bear in the entryway? <laughs> he said, um, I can send the troopers to your house. And I said, "That that's fine. That's fine. That's good. Send the troopers. And he's like, Okay. So he talked to me for just a couple of minutes, just chatting. And then he said, is anyone coming to visit you this afternoon? And I said, um, no, not that I know of. And he said, well, we wouldn't want someone to open the door by mistake. And I said, okay. So I said, I can, from the loft where I am, I can open the window and I can step out the window onto the roof of the Arctic entryway. And, and then if anyone were to come, I can tell them, don't open the door. There's a bear in the entryway. Yeah, because we have to clarify a little bit. Um, as far as you were, were you aware at this point that the bear was trapped in your entryway? I surmised that it was because it was dark out there. But that's the only way I knew for sure. Okay. And so explain how the bear could get trapped in your entryway. So the entryway is about six feet wide and six feet long. It's just a little square space. And I suspect the bear smelled the trash and it came into the entryway, turned around and hit the open door with its back end. They're knocking it closed. Mm -hmm. And the noise that I was hearing was the bear trying to find a way out of the entryway. So he probably actually closed the door, totally closed the door at that point while he was trying to get out. So... Your problem and ultimately the bear's problem, which is interesting that you both share the same problem right now. <laughs> you have something in common with this bear, except maybe <laughs> you both want this solution to come out with the bear leaving, right? Out. <laughs> the bear's problem is that it can't get out because the door opens in. Correct. So unless it can figure out a way to, and this door latches too, right? Exactly. So unless it can figure out how to get its paw around a doorknob and open it in, it's stuck. Right. Its only option, the only door that opens out is the one that comes into your house. Exactly. Which is latched, but but not locked. No. And so, you know, bears are strong. He, If he really wanted to, he probably could have smashed that door in. Yes. Okay. So we have the bear is trapped in your entryway. It's only reasonable way out is to go further in to where you are and so now you're you're fleeing onto your roof exactly okay got it okay okay so i step out onto the roof and the guy says um 
okay, ma'am. He says, everything all right? And I said, well, yeah. He said, you're safe right now. I said, yeah, I'm safe right now. And he said, okay, then call me back if anything changes. And he hung up. (laughs) Call me back if you're getting eaten by a bear is basically what he's telling you. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) And I've called 911 only a couple other times in my whole life. And every other time they stay on the line with you until someone comes. But he hung up. So I'm standing there on the roof of the entryway. Holding my phone, kind of going. <laughs> no moral support. No, I just kind of being very confused and not knowing exactly what to do and hearing the bear down below me now banging and crashing and, you know, into stuff that's down there. And uh, so I thought, well, I called my husband and I said, hey, Dick, there's a bear stuck in the entryway. He said, I'll be right home. I said, oh, no, don't worry. The police are coming. They'll take care of it. And he's like, oh, okay. And so then he hung up. So there I am standing. So probably a total of 45 minutes goes by from the time I started this whole process of panicking about the bear in the entryway. And the first cop car comes down. It's a big SUV. And the cop gets out. And just like on TV, he stands behind the door of his car, of his his truck. He looks up at me standing on the roof and he says, ma'am, is the bear still here? And I said, yes. <laughs> and I pointed down at the entryway roof. I said, it's in the entryway, right right down there. It's in the entryway. As if you would be standing on your roof just for fun. Yes, right? with my phone in my <laughs> hand. <laughs> and, um, and he goes, okay. So he got out his big rifle, his big gun, shotgun kind of gun from the console of his SUV. And he walks over. And he looks at the entryway and he goes, so we have to open the door. And I said, (laughs) yes, you have to open the door. (laughs) Captain Obvious strikes again. Another car comes sailing down the driveway. And this guy, he must have been very young, just out of the uh, trooper school, perhaps. He had on his little hat and his trousers were creased really nice. I mean, he looked sharp. And he walks over and they say, we have to open that door. And uh, yeah, we have to open the door. And um, the first guy goes, so we better be prepared if we open the door, the bear may charge. And the guy starts to get his pistol out of his pocket. And the first guy says, put that away, go get a real gun. (laughs) So that guy goes back to his car and gets his big shotgun from the uh, console area, and he walks over. Now, two more cars come sailing down my drive. Now I have four trooper cars in the dooryard, and um, and they're all looking at the door, going, "We have to open the door." Yeah, we have to open the door. Finally, one guy goes, "Well, I'll open the door." And the other three went up, and we live on a steep hill, so they went up onto the side of the hill above the door area and spread out, and they're all pointing their big guns at my house. And uh, the first guy goes to open the door, and one of the cops up on the hill goes, wait a minute, shouldn't we have a plan? Which way are you going to run? We don't want to shoot you. So they all get back together, and they chat for a little bit. And then one of them, the first guy that had arrived, he looked at me up on the roof, and he says, ma'am, are you the only person home? I said, "Uh, yeah. And he said, oh, good. We wouldn't want to shoot anyone by mistake. So now I'm picturing my house full of holes, you know. (laughs) When they show these on movies and they just, and your house is just riddled with holes. I was going, oh, my gosh. He's like, no, I'm the only one here. And he's like, okay, good. So the three cops, they go to one side. And the guy that's going to open the door, he goes and he turns the doorknob. And nothing happened. He turns around and, and he says, the door won't open. 
And so now I'm thinking to myself, the door opens in. Now, on my entryway, I had three sets of skis and the poles that go with them. There were two chainsaws, my trash, of course, a big 55-gallon drum of dog food, and I can't even begin to tell you other kinds of junk that might have just been dropped in the entryway on the way in. Just, you know, you only need to open the door, right, and come in. So the bear has been down there for at least 45 minutes, and every single bit of this stuff, which maybe used to be leaning against the wall or something, is on the floor. And so the door, when you go to open it, is running into all that stuff, and it won't open. So now they're like, the door won't open. Now what do we do? <laughs> the guy with the little hat, he was really funny. He said, <laughs> he said I'll go get the door around. We'll bash it in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, doesn't that just break the latch? That doesn't really break the door out, you know? And he, and then he and I said, wait, that that shouldn't work. And um, he goes, oh, yeah, no, you're right. That won't work. <laughs> I thought, oh, good. At that point, I'm thinking, why am I not videoing that? I should I be videoing this on my phone? I'm holding it in my hand. <laughs> but but I didn't. So anyway, so then he goes, well, I know, I know what we could do. Let's get a chainsaw. And I said, wow, that's a great idea. But the chainsaws are in the entryway. <laughs> and, and at that point, again, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad the chainsaws are in the entryway because I wonder where they thought they were going to cut a hole. Were they going to yeah. cut the door apart? What were they going to do? You know, yeah, I'm I, sure the bear would love a chainsaw. Yeah, a chainsaw. And then that would have driven him right into the house. Yeah. But <clears throat> anyway. So in the meantime, while the three up there have been discussing these various options, the the guy that was trying to open the door had been wandering around, and he found a long-handled ice chipper. So it was kind of narrow and thin. And he started pushing things into the entryway, and he pushed and he pushed. And he, and he says, wait, guys. He said, I'll get it. So he's pushing and he's pushing. And then he'd push on the door some, and then he'd push stuff. And pretty soon, I feel from where I'm standing even that the door is going bang, bang, bang. <laughs> and the bear had gotten his claws around the door, <laughs> and he was trying to pull the door open while oh. the other guy was pushing stuff in. Oh. And the guy goes, whoa, that's a big bear. <laughs> so he's there with the bear's paw basically right in his right face. Right in his face. And I said, to push this stuff out, never knowing when he's going to push something far enough that that door's going to pop open. And the bear's going to come charging out. And I and said to him, him yes, I thought it was a big bear, too. <laughs> The guys are all up there with their guns aimed at the house. And finally, the, the, the guy that's pushing things in, he turns around and he ran in the opposite direction. And the bear must have pulled enough and was getting squeezed out through. So the bear squeezes out through. The three guys on the top of the hill are waving their arms with the gun and everything. And they're screaming and yelling. The bears gets out and he turns. I see him from up above. He turns and he looks. His eyes are huge. He's petrified. <laughs> and and the when they say the whites of his eyes, it really yeah. literally, you could just see the whites of that bear's eyes as it was running off into the woods. <laughs> and and then the three cops, the last ones, they they just turned, hopped in their cars, boom, 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 off they went. The first guy that arrives says, okay, ma'am, that's it. He's writing something in a little book. He's writing something. Okay, ma'am, that's it. And he, he went and hopped in his car and left, and I'm 
standing still up there on the entryway with with my phone in my hand. And it's like, bye. <laughs> Just wishing you had someone to debrief the situation with a little bit, I imagine. Yeah, it was really. <laughs> like, can we, it's like can we my, talk about what just happened? <laughs> my adrenaline's going like 90 miles an hour. <laughs> my heart's still pounding, and I'm just standing there. Okay, bye. It's like, that's it, that's it, that's over? Wow. Like come pull the cat out of your tree or something. <laughs> Jan Hanscom. This is Dark Winter Nights, True Stories from Alaska, the Home Alone episode. I'm Rob Prince. Our next story comes from the first and probably last Dark Winter Nights live storytelling event in Valdez, Alaska, back in October 2018. It's not that we have any hard feelings, I was just down there to help them kick off their own storytelling program, and now they have one, so they don't need me anymore. It's a teach a man to fish type of situation. Anyway, it was an awesome night, and one of the storytellers was Linda Brandenburg, who shared this legendary Home Alone story that takes place way back in the 1960s. One little bit of information that will be helpful to people not familiar with interior Alaska, Isleson Air Force Base is about 45 minutes southeast of Fairbanks, near the town of Sulcha. Here's Linda Brandenburg. I love my in-laws very much, and this is all based on, on them when they were a lot younger. Uh, you, Many of the people here may remember Holly and Dave Johnson, and they lived here a good 20 years, but they didn't live in Valdez first. Before Valdez, they lived in Salcha, Alaska. And I always wondered, what were they doing in Salcha, and where is Salcha before I ever saw it? The story before that was that they met very young, Holly and Dave did, and when he turned 18, he enlisted in the U.S. Air Force. And they lived in upstate New York, so he was drafted and down in Savannah, Georgia, went back up, got Holly, who at the time I think was 16, and decided they would get married and he'd bring her down to Savannah so that he could start his career. Well, within the year, she had Jeff, who is now my husband, and um, they continued to have more kids. In the process, Dave was going to be relocated to either Vietnam or Eielson Air Force Base. And now they had Jeff, a little baby in the oven, and a couple more kids hopefully planned. So they, they took Eielson Air Force Base to avoid the Vietnam thing. So off they go, and this is in 1960. They lived on Eielson for six years, and then it was time for Dave to get out of the service. They don't have hardly any money. They're a very poor little family. And so Holly looked in the paper and talked to some people and found out that there were 14 acres in Salcha, Alaska that had a three-room cabin. And the owner was Breen Canaday. Well, anyway, she writes to him. He was in Seattle. And she asked him if he would have pity on them and sell the property to them and if they could make payments. The property was only $3,500, which must have been like a huge amount of money back then, but he agreed. So the family loaded up and moved to Salcha, and this, this little cabin had a living room, a kitchen, 
a bedroom and then a little out room in the house that was where they had the kids sleep in bunk beds. It had a wood stove. It did have electricity and faulty running water, so they had to use an outhouse. And um, Holly learned that first winter that in, it, it, she'd had lots of winters, but she learned in this cabin that you didn't spill water or anything on the floor in a cabin at 40 below because you had your indoor preschoolers ice rink and that was not fun. So anyway, that was one of the lessons they learned. Um, the summer of 67, Dave had a really wonderful friend named Jerry Stahl and Jerry loved coming over to the Johnson's property all the time because, well, he lived in the barracks on the base and this was a fun family out in the woods in the middle of nowhere and he just loved being out there and outdoorsy. Dave and Jerry and Dave's brother John went hunting and um, they caught a, they shot a black bear. And that was like a really cool thing that they got that done in their young lives, you know, mid-twenties. So, Anyway, Holly and Dave had that rug turned, or the bear turned into a bear rug, and they left, they made sure that the head was still on it. Okay, that fall, Jerry is all excited. He gets this letter from a gal he doesn't even know, and she's wanting to pen pal with him, and she lives in Kansas City, it turns out, and she is a prissy little lady but very sweet and nice, and he, he writes back to her, and she said, I, you know, how did you find me? And she said, oh, my friend had a picture of you, and I thought you just looked like such a nice man, so I wanted to write to you. Anyway, months later, they have fallen in love, and he's thinking they should get married, so why don't you move up here to Alaska and give it a shot, and we'll get married and start our, our lives here. And she was adventurous enough to, okay, I'll do it. So Holly wanted to make sure she was comfortable, so she got a little trailer from her friends and got that stored on the property. And, and then Jerry, on the weekends or whenever he could, he'd stay in this little outbuilding where he always stayed. And so Joe is this lady's name. And there was one thing about her that they were kind of worried about, and that was she was incredibly afraid of wild animals. And she's moving to Alaska, and there could be a bear or something really scary out there in the woods. So she's kind of scared about that. Anyway, it's May now, and so we all know in Alaska by then we don't even have darkness. So it would be dusk when she'd want to, you know, go to bed, and it'd be like 11, and so one of the guys, whoever was there, would escort her to her trailer and just comfort her, make sure she, everything's going to be fine, no, there's no problems with the bears, nothing like that. Yeah. And we've never had one in our yard, whatever. And so um, the guys come up with this idea, and they decide that one night they are going to scare the living daylights out of her. <laughs> and they're going to use that bear rug. And so Holly, this, this is the, the part where the guys would regret very soon what they did. They let her in on the joke that they were going to do this. So 
Holly took pity on poor Joe. This was going to be torture. She was already friends with her. This was going to be too scary for her. So she let her in on the, this prank and said, this is what we're going to do. She coached her when the guys weren't around. She showed her how to, to aim a 22. And it was unloaded. Holly made sure of that. And Holly also said, when... When you guys, when the guys are going to start this, uh, when Jerry comes around to the trailer, you're going to be screaming and acting like you're just horrified and help, you know, help, whatever. And um, I'm going to give you a signal at one point when Jerry gets close to the door of your trailer. You're going to be able to see me. I'm going to raise my arm up, and that's when you're going to throw the door open and raise that rifle at him. <laughs> so Joe's like, okay. Okay, I can do this, yeah. So anyway, the night finally comes, and Holly is excited. Dave is so excited. He's going to be watching this, and he just can't believe how funny this is going to be. And Jerry puts on that bear skin after they've, you know, he's walked her to her trailer, and you're tucked into bed, and everything's fine. And it waits about 10 minutes, and then he crawls, or sneaks over in that dusk, and Dave's standing by, watching from the cabin. And Holly was sort of on the other side of the cabin, watching. But Well, anyway, where, where she knew that Joe would be able to see her. So <laughs> Jerry goes over to that trailer, sneaks up, goes back to the back, and like, starts rocking the trailer. I'm <laughs> 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 making these sounds. <laughs> And she's like, ah, Jerry, no, Jerry, help me, help me, there's a bear. And just screaming and just, ah, just totally, t- totally hamming it up. And so Dave is, you know, this is the best, you know, just laughing. And so Jer- Jerry's still going around and, ah, just really, really letting her have it. She's shrieking and screaming. Holly sneaks into the house really fast, comes back out. She has, she described to me, a World War II Japanese 7-millimeter rifle. (laughs) And so it's time for her to give the salute, you know, to her friend. And Jerry's getting over by the door, and Holly... You know, Holly raises up her hand, and and Joe just throws that door open. Jerry's right there, and she's like this with the rifle, you know. And all of a sudden, Holly just lets that shotgun off, and Jerry is, and Dave is, oh, Jerry's dead. Oh my God. And once they kind of calm down and it's a little bit quiet, the laughter from Holly and Joe just is, they're hysterical, just hysterical. They really let them have it. Amazingly enough, they got married a month later. Linda Brandenburg. She shared that story at the October 2018 Dark Winter Nights live event in Valdez, Alaska.
Thanks so much for listening to Dark Winter Nights, True Stories from Alaska, the Home Alone edition. Today's episode was produced and edited by myself, Rob Prince, story consultation by Lori Neufeld. I'd also like to give a shout out to a couple of Dark Winter Nights fans who reached out to us from the Lower 48. Manuel from Ocean Springs, Missouri, and Robert from Austin, Texas, both took a minute to show their support, and we really appreciate it. If you're enjoying the show and would like to let us know, feel free to message us through our website, darkwinternights.com, or just email story at darkwinternights.com. Thanks. Hey, so I don't know if you realize this or not, but we really need your true stories from Alaska, badly. You can go to darkwinternights.com and fill out the submit story form, or you know what? You can just reach me directly if you like at rob.prince at alaska.edu. Remember, these are the stories we tell up here in Alaska on Dark Winter Nights. I'm Rob Prince. Dark Winter Nights True Stories from Alaska is produced with support from the University of Alaska Fairbanks Communication and Journalism Department, UAF Kojo. Tell great stories.